May the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. It was like walking across a room on carpet and you reach out for the lamp and all of a sudden you get that snap and you weren't expecting it. You know that feeling, right? It's happened probably already this year. And you, you get shot just like that. I remember being with my bride in our first apartment, putting up our first Christmas tree ever. And I thought it was going to be such a festive time. You know, brand new sweaters and music playing, and we're going to hang greens. It's going to be a great time. But to my utter astonishment, as I began to start doing things, like putting the lights on the tree, she started telling me how to put the lights on the tree. As if I had never done this in my entire life, how to put the lights. But okay, so they go this way. Oh, yeah, I go right. Yeah, I got it. And no, this little to your right. No, your other right. You know, you know how that goes. And, and I kind of thought, well, I can get through this. Um, but it began to kind of build. Uh, I wanted to put the bulbs on in a kind of eclectic fashion. She wanted them color-coordinated. Um, I wanted lights that stayed on all the time, and she wanted them blinking or maybe the other way around. I can't remember. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted things different. I wanted my... But then, the utter attack on my Christmas sensibilities happened when she was certain that we were going to put a star on top of the tree. A star! Not an angel! An angel goes on top of the tree, am I right? No? No angel people here? Yeah. Come on, say with me. She wanted a star. Thank you. I, I see a few. Um, she want, How could you put a star on top? It's an angel goes there. And now, we didn't fight. We disagreed intensely, you know, um, about this. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we, I didn't realize how bad this could be, though, until one day I was reading um, an article in the paper. And it read exactly this. It says, the, um, A 65-year-old man who often dressed up as Santa Claus for Warren's Thanksgiving Day Parade was charged with, I'm not kidding, stabbing his daughter during an argument about Christmas decorations. I cut it out of the paper, put a little post-it note on it that said, An angel, not a star, and stuck it on top of the refrigerator. I think she got the message. It reminded me how we're going to have escalated arguments about silly things, but also about this, how there's risk involved in everything. Even, even something as innocuous as hanging, putting up Christmas decorations, life is filled with risks. It's filled with risks. I mean, many of you didn't think of it, but you risked your lives getting here this morning. You literally risked your... Some of you, maybe more than others, right? You risked your lives getting here this morning. I, I, I actually remember in a very sad case where I, I arrived at church one morning when I lived in the Dayton area and some friends of ours went to a church across town and, and somehow that morning we got word that this, uh, this person who attended their church across town on his way to church was hit by another car and, and died on his way to worship in the morning. Uh, died in the lap of his 13-year-old daughter. Life is filled with risks, filled with it. The other day I was watching this show on the Discovery Channel called The Prophets of Doom. For someone with as tender a psyche as I have, you shouldn't be watching these shows, okay? But I was bored, and so I did. And, and there were these people, all these guys had these, um, these expertise in various areas, uh, like water usage in the world. You know, I didn't realize. And, um, and peak oil. Uh, there was another one on, um, on nuclear terrorism. 
there was another one on artificial intelligence. So that one really creeped me out. I don't know if you don't read any about this because it'll scare you. Uh, and, and all of them had these worst case scenarios. I know everybody's going to be out there googling AI and just uh, everyone had these had these worst case scenarios that would happen uh, if what they thought could happen did. And they all played them out like it could really happen. And the more I watched this, the more terrified I got. And then I remembered something. Life has always been filled with risks. It doesn't matter what century you live in, what part of the world you live in, there's always been risks. And it also reminded me of another thing, of why I used to love Evil Knievel when I was a little kid. Any Evil Knievel fans? No, yeah, a couple of you, yeah, all right. Yeah, I hate to admit it. I did. I, was, I remember being a boy. I, was, I loved Evil Knievel because this guy got on a motorcycle with a rocket on top of it and tried to launch himself across the Snake River Canyon. I mean, that's pretty bold, isn't it? I mean, you got to be crazy, or at least you got to be not afraid to fail. And that was Evil Knievel. He wasn't afraid to fail. Jesus tells a story about three people who have an opportunity. They have an opportunity to do something. They are hired servants, slaves of this person, and he's going to give them a bunch of money. No instructions on what to do with it. No instructions about how long he's going to be gone. He is taking a great risk. He gives out eight talents. Five to one, two to another, one to another. And a talent is not an ability. A talent is a unit of money. It's a denomination. It's 1,000 denarii. A single denarius was a day's wage. He's giving away 8,000 days' wages to these servants of his. Five to one, two to another, one to another. If we just took like, I don't know, $150 as an average day's wage in the United States, he's putting $1.2 million in the hands of these hired servants. His butcher, his baker, his candlestick maker. Here's here's a million dollars, you know. I'm going to be gone for a while. Now think about his risk as the, the master. All this, i, I got to go away, you know, I'm going to be gone. Here, take this large fortune um, don't throw a party, you know. I, I don't want to come back and hear it's been uh, wine, women, and song over here. You know, you, you don't. But he gives it to him. Huge risk. But then there's the risk of the servants. I mean, they get this. What are they supposed to do with it? I mean, what if they invest in some dot com company, <laughs> first century dot com? It goes bankrupt. I mean, what if what if somebody comes and says, you know, I'm building this new chariot. I'm going to name it after my son Edsel. It's it's a it's a it's a sure thing. It can't miss. You know, and uh, and and they invest in something like that, and yet they take risks. At least two of them do, don't they? They take huge risks. They go out and and they double their money. Here's what's really interesting is the passage says he entrusted, the master entrusted this money. Actually, that's not what it says. I checked all kinds of translations. Everybody is translating the entrusted. He didn't entrust it. He gave it to them. He handed it over to them. The, the same word is used later in the passage, he handed over. The very first verse, he paradidomi. He gave it to them. And he never takes it back, does he? Did you notice the story? When the, when the person says, I got five, I made five more. I didn't make you five more. And even when he does take the one away from the person who didn't invest it wisely, what does he do with it? Give it to the one who has ten. 
You see, he's given this away. And, and the people who have this, the servants, they had a real risk system there, didn't they? They could have lost everything. And yet they didn't. Two of them invested it. They were aggressive. They took risks and they doubled it. One was a coward. He went out to his backyard. He dug a hole. He put it in there. I also think it's interesting that he's the only one who thinks the master is cruel. Do you notice that? The, the first two didn't seem to think the master was cruel. Only this one guy. And because of his fear, he goes out and he buries his, his wealth in his backyard. Well, you know how the story goes. The master's going for a long time. shows back up. You did well. You did well. You, the one who buries it in the backyard. You are wicked, evil, and lazy. You are wicked, evil, and lazy. I mean, this is not a good thing. You, you, this isn't the kind of uh, job performance review he was really looking for at all, is it? Mm, yeah, not so well. The one who made five, you're liberated. No longer a slave. Now you're a friend. Come. Let's eat dinner together. The one who had two and made two more. You're no longer a slave. You're a friend. Come. Let's eat dinner together. The one who took what he had and hid it in the backyard. Get out of here. I don't even want to see you any longer. And he leaves. Now here's the thing. This isn't a story about money. Jesus loves to tell stories about money because he knows that we pay attention when he's talking about money. But it's not about money. It has nothing to do with fiduciary concerns. I, I slipped the word fiduciary into that sentence. Was it? I, I mean, I thought it was pretty good. Anyway, this has nothing to do with money. Nothing at all. It has everything to do with Jesus being subversive and saying that there's a lot more important things in our lives than money. You see, our master has been gone for a long, long time. He has entrusted some stuff to us. And he's going to come back. You know, we're going to say that in just a minute. And one of the things that you're going to say almost immediately after this is, I believe that the Lord is returning. Right? This Nicene Creed that we're going to say. He's coming back and he's going to do some accounting when he gets back. See, this text is about this. It's about how does a Christian live faithfully in the time between Jesus' ascension and his return? How do we live faithfully in this present world? Well, we can live one of two ways. We can live taking bold risks for the kingdom, or we can live timidly, cautiously, fearfully, afraid of what might happen. And you know what? It's real easy to be fearful because the church has done it really well for a long time. Oh, you know, we've got to be careful. Whatever, we, we're afraid. I read a story not long ago about this um, Catholic priest who, uh, who actually asked to go to this parish in the inner city. I think it was in Cleveland. And, um, and the bishop didn't want him to go. No, I'm going to close the parish down. He said, give me one chance. One chance at this. Okay, you've got, you've got a short window. Let's see what happens. And he goes in it and somehow encourages the people to, to take you know, more pride in investment in, their, in the property. And, and then says, okay, now, now let's, let's see what we can do making a difference in this community and in this neighborhood. And the story went on to say that within like five years, the, the church had completely transformed. A church that was going to be closed now is a model parish. There's another little church I know in, in Tip City, Ohio, near Dayton, where I grew up. Um, small parish in the middle of a cornfield. It absolutely was, you would not find your way there going anywhere else, okay? In the middle of nowhere. 
And this little parish decided that they were going to do something to, um, to be bold. And so they, were, they took everything that they had and invested it in these outreach programs that they wanted to do. They, they had silly things like free car washes that were really free. When people would try to give them money, they know, we don't want your money. We just want to let you know that God loves you. And, and they would do uh, good deeds in their community. They took care of the poor and the elderly. And this church has 4,000 people who worship there every Sunday now. They took bold risks for the kingdom. They took chances. Uh, about 300 years ago, there was this um, Anglican priest in England. Um, he, uh, he was a high churchman, a, a very, uh, very staid kind of Anglo-Catholic fellow. Uh, he, uh, he, he said, I'm a high churchman and the son of a high churchman. But he noticed that the church was really neglecting the poorest of the poor in his community and in the, in the entire nation of England. And so he began to try to work to, to liberate people from debtors' prisons, built schools for school children, um, did, did all kinds of, of things, but, but couldn't get an audience. So the Church of England would not allow him to preach in, in their churches. And so he did what no high churchman would ever do. He took the field preaching. He started going out into the fields, preaching to coal miners on their way to work. In his lifetime, he traveled 250,000 miles on horseback. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? And 100,000 people came to Christ because of his work. 100,000 converts to Christianity. John Wesley was an amazing man. But if you took that, you should look at what Francis Asbury, one of his protégés, did. 500,000 miles, half a million miles on horseback in the United States. They started hospitals, schools, churches. And what about uh, Charles Spurgeon or D.L. Moody or Fanny Crosby or Phoebe Palmer? What about Francis of Assisi or Thomas Aquinas or Joan of Arc? What about somebody like Mother Teresa, William Tyndale? People all over the world even today who have said, you know what, here's what God has given me. My skills, my abilities, my wealth, everything. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this and I'm going to risk it on building the kingdom. And have made a major impact in the world. These are people who are not afraid to fail because they believe in God the Father Almighty. (coughs) They believe that whatever He's given to us, He can take and double, triple, quadruple. And if I could hit another oopal, I would give it to you. They, they took whatever was in their hands. And so here's the question, right? You knew it was coming. What's in your hands? What do you have? What skills, what abilities, what talents, what, what gifts have been given to you? What's been entrusted to you? And are you using it to build the kingdom? Or are you just going to be play it safe, you know? Go dig a hole in the backyard. I'm afraid. I don't know what will happen. Well, if you live in fear, you die in fear. But if you'll take a risk, if you'll take a chance and believe that our Master is good, and those who have, He gives more, and He's entrusted to you for a purpose, well, then maybe there's a hope and a future. You see, He's been gone a long, long time. But He's coming back. I believe it. Don't you?